0: This recording is a ministry of Grace Bible Church of Pleasant Hill, California. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to visit us each Lord's Day on our campus located at 40 Cleveland Road, Pleasant Hill, California, or at any time at gbcph.org. Well, you were probably expecting Tony to be here finishing Acts today. I was too. He was too. And then Thursday night at about 10.30, he texts us and says, hey guys, <coughs> not feeling too good. So uh, here I am, and Friday at one o'clock, Scott did a memorial service that Tony was supposed to do, so he was even under, under the gun a little bit more than me. So <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate the providences of the Lord in our lives. They're there for reasons that sometimes we don't know, but he does, and he doesn't always tell us. But it's a pleasure to be with you again. As we turn to the word this morning, uh, I won't be finishing Acts. Tony will do that in a couple of weeks. Uh, We'll be looking at the idea of serving in love. And if you've ever received an email from me uh, down at the bottom of of my signature area, it will say, practice greatness, be the servant of all. That's kind of a a theme that I've taught through in youth ministry several times as we looked at the idea of of growing up as servants of Christ, as being people who are practicing serving and practicing being great in God's eyes, uh, not necessarily the world's eyes. And as we begin this morning, I, just, I wanna re- just remind us of a few things. Uh, one being that all of us like to be encouraged and hear, well done, good job. We all like to hear that when we do something at work or at school or at home. Um, husbands, you do your honey-do list, you want to hear that from your wife. We, we like to hear that. We like to be encouraged in that way and hear good job. Um, sometimes we're content with good job and we're not pressing for great job. Sometimes we hear that but we don't always necessarily move towards that. I have a couple questions at the top of your notes for you just to think about. Um, one not on your notes is just this question for you: Is are you great? Are you great? Would people see you as great? If I asked somebody about you, would they say, "Oh yeah, they're they're great. They're they're awesome. They're a wonderful person." There's a there's a difference that we see in the world, isn't there, between how greatness is viewed. If you ask people who are the great people in the world, you'd get all varieties of answers from celebrities to, to uh, people that are, are good at sports, or good at this, or good at that, or people that are really smart and they develop things like Windows and, and Macs and stuff. And We might have a very different um, response from people in the world in regards to the question of who is great. If we look at scripture, God gives us some very clear understandings about greatness. Um, One of those is pictured in who Jesus said was the greatest man born of woman, which was John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is not somebody that the world would look at and say, that guy's great. They'd probably look at him and say, that guy's weird. Um, He probably was a combination of me and Jim, probably had my hair and Jim's beard. (laughs) And he hung out in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey. And that was, that was John the Baptist. Greatest man born of woman. Now that's our Savior, God himself, declaring who's the greatest man born of woman. It's him. That's not the world standard of great. But it's God's. Not that we all should go out and eat locusts and wild honey. I mean, if that's your diet, that's fine. More power to you. I won't join you in that. The honey part's fine. The locusts I'll stay away from. But the, the understanding that we ought to take away from that is John the Baptist is one who did the will of God, who served God. He did what God had assigned him to do. He did the work that God gave for him to do. What are you doing with your life? What are you seeking to do with your life? In what ways are you serving God? In what ways are you loving other people? Those are good questions for us to ask ourselves from time to time, just to kind of evaluate self and see how we're doing in regards to seeking to serve the Lord and seeking to love and serve other people. It is certainly something that Jesus came to do. He came to serve, and he did so with more love than anyone else. We know that, uh, not just because of uh, what it says in scripture, but because of what we see Jesus did. One of the things he even said to the disciples is that no one has greater love than if you were to lay down your life for a friend. And we know that he did that for his people, that Jesus gave up his life, that we might have life. And Jesus himself came to serve. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 20. I've got a lot of scriptures, and it's in your notes for you, so you don't have to jot them all down. A lot of things we're gonna look at in in regards to the points we'll be examining this morning. But I wanna start from this passage in Matthew chapter 20. And I'm gonna start in verse 20. 25 to 28 is is the main little section, but I wanna set the context here. In verse 20, we read this. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, came up to him, to Jesus, with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. And to the sons he said, Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left, is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them with their great ones, exercise with their, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here in this passage, we see... John's mom James and John's mom come to Jesus asking hey can my boys be the guys that are number one and number two at your right and left can they be those guys and Jesus says you you don't know what you're asking and he asked the 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 disciples James and John are you guys able to drink my cup referring to I'm going to be killed are you able to do that and they said we are able and Jesus affirmed yep you're going to drink my cup and they and they were persecuted He said, but to grant to sit at my right and my left, that's not mine to grant. That's the father's, and it's been prepared for someone. They didn't understand fully what they were asking. They knew Jesus was powerful. They knew he was going to rule. They wanted to be right there with him. But they were missing a component of what Jesus was there for. They wanted to be at the top. And they're asking Jesus, put me at the top. Put us at the top with you. And Jesus says, you guys, you're, you're kind of missing the point here. I came to serve, not be served. And no doubt they were viewing Jesus as great, but they were missing how to be great themselves. Their greatness was aspiring to a position of authority. Jesus' correction was greatness is about serving, being great in the kingdom, is about serving. We must remember always that our service is to be rooted in the gospel. It's to be rooted in who Jesus is and what he did. He himself being the example for us of one who came and gave of himself for the sake of others. So he is the motivation for us to be servants of him, to be serving in in ministry, to be serving others it's because of Christ. It's not because it's a legal demand. We I, last time I preached, I talked about that. It's not because of law. It's because of the grace of God that we are to seek to serve one another and to serve other people. In your notes there, I jotted down Philippians two seven. That reminds us that Jesus, when he came, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He took the form of a servant. He's modeling for us, he's exemplifying for us what we are to be like. In John chapter 13, verses one to seven, we have the, the uh, situation, the circumstance where Jesus is in the upper room the, with the disciples. There's no one there to wash their feet as was the custom. You guys know the story, none of the disciples stepped up. Jesus did, grabbed a, a towel, wrapped it around himself and washed all of their feet. He did the job of the lowest servant, the lowest slave in the household. That was who would usually do that job when the visitors would come. Jesus took that job himself of the lowest in the household to wash those grubby feet of those disciples. And later on in that passage, in verse 15, he said to them, and this, I shared this with a community group I was at a couple weeks ago. This is the only place where we see Jesus say to the disciples, guys, pay attention. I'm giving you an example. You're supposed to do this to each other. You're supposed to serve one another in this capacity. And he's not just referring to washing the feet. Thankfully, that's not something we have to do these days. We have socks. <laughs> Praise God for socks and shoes and closed-toed shoes, we don't have to wash each other's feet. But we are to serve one another in that same way In that Jesus served. We ought to have that same kind of attitude, that same kind of heart. And just as Jesus said to the disciples, I'm giving you an example that you should follow this, that's to us as well. He's saying that to us as well. We ought to be following that same kind of example of wanting to follow Christ and serving one another. Jesus taught that in order to be great, we must serve one another. There's no way to get around that. As I said, it's not because of some law. It's not because we're supposed to. It's because Christ has served us so greatly that we are compelled by that grace and mercy to reach out in love and serve other people. That's what ought to be our compulsion to serve is because of what God has done for us already that we ought to seek to serve others. Again, from Matthew twenty six is in your notes. But whatever, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Must. It's not something that Jesus said. You know, hey, if you want to be a servant, go ahead. You know, you can be great without it. But I encourage you to be. He says, if you want to be great in God's eyes, from God's perspective, you must be a servant to other people. It's a non negotiable. He says you must be the slave of others. And that's not something that our culture looks at fondly today in most circumstances. Who are you? Well, I'm the slave of everyone. Slave, oh no, you can't say that, that's a bad word. It's all throughout scripture. We're to be the slave of others, the servant of others. Is, is that how you view yourself? Is that how you see yourself? Or do you have a perspective that desires more to be served by others than to seek to serve others. It's hard, I know, we, naturally we're all selfish. We all would rather be served. Feed me, bring me my food, change my channel. Do the chores for me. I don't have kids, I can't do that one. Christine's not gonna go mow the lawn. <laughs> I gotta do that. There's, there's a, a natural impulse that we have to revert to being selfish self-centered christ encourages you and me to fight against that and to strive to be one who looks for opportunities to serve other people as jesus as this story is recounted in matthew we see it in mark we see it in luke There are elements of this type of same thing in John. This is throughout the Gospels and it's throughout the epistles where we are called to be servants of one another. So let me ask you this question. Is serving other people, is serving a priority for you? Is it a priority in your heart, in your mind? Do you think about that often? That I want to look for ways in which I can serve others. That that's something that is a higher priority for you than serving self than getting what I want and doing what I want. Now, I'm not saying you can't eat what you want and do things, go on vacation when you want to go on vacation. I'm not saying that you can't, you have to deny yourself of everything in this world. Jesus ate, Jesus rested, Jesus took time away for himself. We have to have a balance of these things in our lives. But he had a focus, a priority of serving people we ought to strive to have the same sort of priority in our lives. Generally, we're content to be just okay in the kingdom, not great in the kingdom. Let me say that again. So I want you to catch that. Generally we're, generally, we're content to be okay in the kingdom as opposed to great in the kingdom, meaning I'll serve a little bit, but I don't want to serve too much. Serve too much cuts into my time. Cuts cuts into me. But we're called to be servants of all. And Jesus doesn't put a, a time frame on that. 13 minutes a day, thou shalt serve other people. I can do that. But I really don't only like to do 12. We're called to always have this mindset of being ready to serve, being the servant to other people. And I want to encourage you not to be content just to be average in the kingdom, or to be okay in the kingdom, or a uh, kind of an okay good servant in the kingdom. I want to encourage you to seek and strive to be great in God's eyes. To be great from His perspective. Which means being ready to be a servant. Anytime, any place, anywhere. As you look at your five points, uh, we're just going to walk, walk through these really quickly. First, let's look at the premise of service. The premise, what is the premise? Well, the first thing that we have to understand is that God gives us work to do. He gives us work. Each of these points, I've give, given you a couple of verses there for you. But the work that God gives us to do, he gives to us in many areas, many ways. We, we go to work, we are at home, our homes, uh, we are in community groups or in our neighborhoods, we're in church, uh, there's a lot of places that we find ourselves during the course of a week. And in all of those places are potential opportunities for you and I to be servants of other people. In particular, I would encourage you to think about serving within the context of the church, and the church church body, not just on a Sunday, but just the the people in general of the church that we're called to, to serve one another regularly. We see that written in the scriptures. So we ought to have that mindset of wanting to be servants wanting to be in each other's lives and helping each other where we are able to do so. Ephesians 2, 2 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What, What Paul is writing there to the Ephesians is that God has already prepared works for you to do for you to walk in. They were prepared beforehand. They were prepared before the foundations of the world that you and I would have opportunities to walk in good works, to serve other people, to do good deeds. God's prepared those for you. He gives us work to do. John 5, 36, Jesus affirms this even in his own life. Listen to what he says. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing Bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Even Jesus said that the works I'm doing, the Father gave me those to do. And what am I doing? I'm doing them. And what does that cause people to see? That he sent me. You see how there's a connection between people's perspective of Jesus and him doing the work of God that that God has given him to do. He says, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Well, if you and I engage in, the, in those same good works that God has prepared for you and I to do, it does the same thing. It bears witness that God has, has given us works to do that he is working in us and through us for his will and for his purpose and for his good pleasure. So we have works that God has given you and I to do. So don't be afraid that you're not given anything. Don't don't be of the perspective that, well, you know, God probably skipped me over. I'm not very talented. I don't have much to offer, so he probably only, only gave me one or two things to do my whole life. Don't be like that. Be expectant. Be expectant that God has already prepared works for you to do. Our job is then to do what? Spot them and then walk in them. Now, there are times... Believe me in in ministry there are times you have to say no to good things You'll find the same thing in your life Sometimes you just have to say no because there's not enough of you to go around Because you you can't do everything I can't do everything That's why God gave us a body of believers So that we all as we work together we all build one another up We all are able to accomplish the works that God has given to us But he hasn't given me your works And he hasn't given you my works He's given me mine and he's given you yours. And I'm not supposed to do yours. And you're not supposed to do mine. So stay out of my works. I'll stay out of yours. But do yours so I don't feel like I have to go and do yours. See what I'm saying there? If you don't walk in the things that God has given you to do, it's gonna compel somebody else to do that and pick up that slack. What's best is when we're all walking together and we're all working together and we're all serving together, That's when the body functions the best. That's in Ephesians 4. That's when we build each other up. Our love increases, our unity increases when we see that happening. What happens when we're not working? We don't get built up, it doesn't happen, those things that God has for us. So don't be afraid that you're not given any works. You are. God's given all of us tasks to do. Second point the provision of service the provision god not only gives us work to do god equips us for that work he equips us for it second timothy 3:16 and 17 all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof, reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that part we're always familiar with verse 17 says that here's the reason that scripture is profitable for all those things that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work so God equips you through the teaching and preaching and study and reading of his word. He prepares you through his word to do those good works. He prepares you. He equips you to do what he's called you, what he's given you to do. So he gives you a job, he gives you work, and he equips you to do it. 2 Peter 1.3 says the same type of thing. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What what has God given us through the knowledge of Christ, through the gospel, what has he given us? Divine power that's granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that disclude? Nothing. God has granted to you, if you're a Christian, he has granted to you everything that you need to live in this life through his word. He has granted to you everything that you need to be godly through his word. He's given us that. So we need to take advantage of this. Study his word, know his word, read his word, apply his word, memorize his word, put it to work in our lives, because that is how God equips us for the work that he has called us, or that he has given us, to do don't be afraid that you're not gifted don't be afraid that you're not gifted everyone is gifted in some way or another yours might be some really goofy gift but we need it because there's a few goofy things that need to be done everyone is gifted by God that is in the body of Christ Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, both of those are passages that talk about the spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. And he gives them to us for the purpose of using them to spread the gospel, to build up the body of Christ, to draw us into unity, to encourage one another, to bring lost sheep into the fold. All of these things are part of our work, part of the ways that we serve him and one another. Let's at the third point, the proclamation of service, the proclamation. Third thing is that God calls us to do that work. He gives us work to do. He equips us to do that work that he's given to us, and then what does he do? He calls us. He tells us, hey, I want you to go and work. I want you to go and do things for me. I want you to serve me. He's not quiet about that, is He? We could look at dozens of, ver- dozens of verses that speak about God calling us to be servants, calling us to work, calling us to do what He's called us to do. I'm just giving you a couple here in your notes. Matthew 5, uh, Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16, the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is preaching, He says, "'You are the salt of the earth, "'but if salt has lost its taste, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus here, he's telling us, you are the salt, you are the light. You have good works that you are to do. Let those shine, let those be known, let that be an active part of your life. That you are looking for opportunities to represent Christ in this world, be it in your home, in your church, in your neighborhood, at your job, at your school, that you would seek to be the light that is set on a hill, not hidden under a basket. That you would seek to be actual salt, not some salt substitute that has no saltiness. Nobody likes that. We like salt on our food. Be the flavor. When you go out, seek to do this. Jesus is calling us to let those good works be seen. Let them be seen. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why does Paul say to do that? Because God is both at will and, and at will to, uh, to work in you for his good pleasure, for his will to, to happen. He's working in you and through you to accomplish his will and purpose. So therefore, we ought to be ready to go out and work, to work out our salvation. That doesn't mean strive to get salvation. That doesn't mean strive to maintain salvation. It means live out your salvation. Live out who you are in Christ. If you are a believer, be the salt, be the light, live like that out in this world. That's getting harder and harder in some ways, isn't it? As we see more and more darkness kind of squeezing us in around uh, here and there, in different places. But God doesn't change his call, does he? He doesn't change and say, hey, when it, when it gets tough, when it gets a little darker around you, it's okay, you can, you can hide back a little bit. He doesn't say to do that. He says, let your your light be set on a hill, not under a basket. In other passages, he calls us to expose the, the deeds of darkness, expose the darkness, not run from it, not hide from it, not seek to get along with it. Expose it. It's one of the ways that we serve the Lord. The work that God calls us to do is not like the work that the world is about doing, is it? If you look at the world, there are definite things in the world that people are drawn to in terms of their work, their tasks, what they want to accomplish, what they want to see happen. World peace. And the World Health Organization will get that or this other organization will get that Bill Gates will achieve that all these people that would like to have everything go just a certain way and most of the time if not all the time in in the secular world at least that discludes God because their perspective is well we don't need God to bring utopia we don't need God to make everything right we just need those Christians to stop talking about God and let us rule. And as was read this morning, God laughs at that. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot and scheme? God sits on his throne and laughs. Says, you you have no power. I'm sovereign over all of this. You think you have greatness and you don't even know what greatness is according to him. We have to be careful not to strive to work like the world works. Not to fall into the same traps of what what the world thinks is greatness in terms of our calling. We ought to be people who understand the greatness of Christ's call on our lives. To be slaves of all, to be servant of all, the servant of all. And don't be afraid To respond to that call. Don't be afraid to respond to that call. No matter what. Don't be afraid to be the person that is that light. Or is that salt. Don't be afraid to be that person. And don't be afraid to respond to the call within the church. To serve here. We we should not have excuses for that. Should we? And, And I haven't had anybody say this to me. So if this is you, I'm not quoting you because you haven't said it to me. But if I'm quoting your heart, let it be so. I haven't had anybody come up to me and say, you know, Chris, I'm just too lazy to serve in the church. Sorry. Just don't want to do it. I haven't had anybody say that. But if that's you, stop. We shouldn't have excuses for why we can't serve. I just don't have enough time in my life. I don't have giftedness. I don't have the abilities. I'm not as as good as Michael on guitar. Not as good as Scott is at eldering and counseling, this and that. I'm not as accomplished as so-and-so. Well, God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. God has given you works to do. What are the things that you can do? Even if you have limited time, are there ways you can serve the church body? Are you plugged in with other, with other believers and you're engaging in, in fellowship with them? Not just coming to church on a Sunday morning and that's it. You have no other contact with anyone at all. I just go to church and then I go home. That's not really fellowshipping with one another. And again, this is not this is not Chris trying to guilt trip you. I'm just teaching what the scriptures say we're to be like, and remember, our motivation is Christ and the grace and the mercy that He has given to us, the love that He has shown to us. That's our motivation. It's not because well, Chris preached that sermon, I better get involved in ministry somewhere. You guys, if you pay attention to your bulletin or your the emails that get sent out, you know we have multiple ministries that still are needing people in those ministries to help and to serve. So the proclamation of service has gone out. God has called us to the work that he has equipped us for, that he has uh, provided for us. What about the product, the next one? The product of service. God establishes the work that we do. God is the one who establishes the work that you do. Sometimes we may be concerned that, well, I might try this, but I don't know how it will work out, and it may not work very well. I've never done that type of thing before, and oh man, I I might blow it. Might be worse than it was if nobody did it. Sometimes we may may worry about that. We may be concerned about, am I the right person? Should I even engage in, in this? But always remember that God is the one who establishes your work. God is the one who makes it successful from his perspective. Psalm 90 verse 17 says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Excuse me, let the the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God is the one who establishes the work that we seek to do. So your, your understanding needs to be that God's, he's, he's given me work, he's equipped me for it, he's called me to do it, and he's the one who's gonna help me to make it work properly. He establishes our, our work, he establishes our service. He's the one that makes it stand. Proverbs sixteen three says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. He's the one who is the, the strength behind it all, he's the engine of the car if you will. He's what makes it go, he's what makes it work. You and I are to be people that are dependent on God who's given us everything we need to do works for him and we should depend that he's be, depend on him being the one who will establish those works and actually make them successful from his perspective. You and I need to trust that. Don't be afraid to fail. And I use that in quotes. Don't be afraid to fail. The world will look at many people in Scripture as failures. Jeremiah would have been a failure as a prophet. Noah would have been a failure as one warning people about the coming flood. Only eight in the ark. Noah did a terrible job. He had 120 years to tell people. He would be looked at as a failure. Many others in scripture would be looked at as failures from a worldly perspective. But from a godly perspective, from God's vantage point, they were successful people. Why? Because they did the work that God had called them to do. Now, Jeremiah had no converts in 40 years and people that wanted to kill him. Not successful from the world, God's perspective, successful Jonah, or successful Jeremiah. You did what I called you to do. Don't be afraid to appear as if you have failed. And if you blow it, you know what? That's okay. You were there, you tried to serve. God's going to honor your heart and your, your desire, to, your motivation to want to serve Him, more so than, how did you do? Because what does God look at? He looks at our heart. That's where He judges us, what's inside of us. So trust God to work in and through you for His purpose, for His glory. And don't be afraid to fail. And use the quotes if you need to. Lastly, let's look at the priority of service. Priority of service. God wants work to be done in love. That's the priority that we should have in serving one another, is that we ought to be striving to love one another. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us love in word, not, not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John is saying, don't just be somebody who says, Oh, yeah, I love people. Oh, yeah, I love God don't just say it actually live it actually do that love people in deed and in truth not just with your lips saying yep love people of God they're great do you ever serve them? no, don't serve them just love them those two things don't really mesh together very well I love you but I won't serve you husbands, wives try that at home (laughs) love you Sweetie, not serving you, though. What would the, the thought then be? Well, you probably don't love me then. You're not willing to serve me. And then, Scott, have a whole lot more counseling cases. <laughs> Sorry if I stir some up there for you, Scotty. But we ought to be people that are striving to love through our deeds, through our actions, through the work that we do. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for selfishness, but through love, serve one another. We're called to do this. We're called to love one another by serving one another. It's to be part of who we are. Remember the, the two greatest commandments that Jesus said when he was asked what are, what's the greatest commandment he said the greatest commandment is love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself it's on these rest all the law and the prophets all the old testament everything that's been said rests on those two things love god love people and love is active love is not a passive thing most of the times when we read the word love in the bible it's in a verb form it's in a verb form an active form and we are to love actively through how we not just how we speak with and to people, but how we serve one another. In Galatians 5.13, we're called clearly, through love, serve one another. So we're, we're, we're commanded to do this. Love involves risk sometimes. We're putting ourselves out there. What if they don't love me back? What if they don't respond the way I hope they do? Risk it anyway. Do you love Jesus back the way that he loved you? I don't. I struggle. If, that was, if that's what was the impetus for our serving, I'm going I'm to love them and serve them as long as they respond to me properly. Nobody'd be serving anybody. And if that was God's If He was waiting for us to respond to Him properly before He served and loved us, He wouldn't have served and loved us. He instigated. He came to us. He took the form of a servant. He humbled Himself. That's our model. Be willing to risk. And if it's not reciprocated, that's okay. God even loves His enemies. He sends rain on the unjust. And there's nothing reciprocated, and God still expresses love towards his enemies. We ought to be, be able to do the same, even more so with our friends. So don't be afraid to risk. Just a couple thoughts in the bottom of your, of your notes there. What kind of work are we talking about? Just write the word everything, everything. Colossians 3.17 says, look, let." Everything that you do, word or deed, be done to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that we do, everything that we say, is to be done to God's glory and ought to be a part of how we're viewing serving other people. How do we know our work matters? How do we know it matters? Your last little blank there. God himself. God himself. That's how we know. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says that as, as we serve the Lord, we know that if our focus is Him, if we're looking to Him, our labor in Christ is not in vain. It's not in vain. If we're seeking to truly serve the Lord, it's not for nothing. It is effective. Trust God to establish the work of your hands. You and I, we can't establish our work. But God does. We need to trust Him to do that. So I want to encourage you to practice greatness. Practice greatness. Be great in the kingdom. Be the servant of all in the love of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And I just encourage you to jot down 1 Corinthians 13 just as a reminder of how that love looks. Just read through that sometime on your own. What is that love supposed to look like as you seek to serve people with a loving heart? Don't let fear keep you from serving. Don't let anything else keep you from serving. And I encourage you, don't just seek a, quote, good job from the world. Rather, seek to hear a well-done, good and faithful servant from your Heavenly Father. That's much more precious and valuable than good job from the world. Let's pray.